Hello and welcome. We're here for another week. <laughs> Literally, a bork alert as soon as this early on. <laughs> it's probably Caesar. Um, he's fine. I mean, yeah, a couple of bork alerts are bound to happen, I mean, but that's what you they don't even. They, the people don't even know who we are yet. That's the content you pay to hear. Is my dog barking in the background? I wait. Hold on. So they're installing these stupid locks on all of our doors that you can unlock with your phone. I don't like it. I hate it. It's the worst. But they're installing them on. Why can't you just use a fucking use a regular key? key. Yeah. This apartment is determined to drive me insane. I hate everything about it. They closed our parking lot for two months. And now they're like, oh, now that we're done in Where are you parking? Down the street and, like, at the museum across, like, down the, it was just chaos. And now they're like, okay, we're done inconveniencing you that way. Let's fucking fuck up your doors for no reason. Like, what? I don't know. I really can't wait to not live in apartments anymore. I hate it. Me too. It's hard. Stupid. Who are we, Rebecca? <laughs> I don't know. I'm Rebecca. You're Abby. This is the Spooky Succubus cast. For another week, another week of your favorite thirsty dirt bags. Thirsty dirt bags. Uh, anti-capitalist, anti-racist. I don't know. Other stuff. Intersectional feminist. You guys. Yeah, we're trying. <laughs> we're really trying. <laughs> um, uh, this week we're talking about Raw, a 2017 French film directed by a... Julia. Woman. Julia de Corneau. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to speak French. No. Uh, Here we go. Let's do this. Du Corneau. Du Corneau. Du Corneau. That's Italian. Du Corneau. That's Italian. (laughs) (laughs) That's so bad. We both did it. It was bad. Uh, This movie was really good. I really liked it. I liked it. it, too. It was super weird, and I'm... As we were texting about too stupid to, is there a fly in there? Uh, no, Adam's in here doing a really funny walk, like a <laughs> creeper walk. Silent I'm not here. You can't walk. see me. <laughs> nice. He needed his AirPods. Okay. How dare. Uh, uh, this has been a really rocky start. What the actual whoops, fuck are we doing? <laughs> uh, first it was me, then it was Adam. We're all fine. God damn it! <laughs> oh no! Cut that out. Cut it out. Ready? Here I am. I mean, I don't even know. We've been what on dead air for left. like 30 <laughs> seconds. Just skip everybody. I'm sorry. Um, who, what? Raw. 2016. Raw. Yeah. It was, uh, I was so confused and I felt so stupid uh, the whole time. Uh, but it was really Yeah, good. it's like, you know there's, like, important, like, body politics subtext, but I was like, I'm so dumb. I I don't know what it is. I'm tired. Like, let me let me close my eyes I, and nap. Yeah, I mostly was like, ah, 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 the whole time, and uh, not taking in any of the subtleties or complexities of this movie. Apparently, this movie made a bunch of people faint at the Toronto Film Festival. I heard, and yeah, they had to Which call I think is pretty funny. Ambulances and stuff. I mean... Like, at what part? I guess... I don't know. It could be fingers. It could be lips. Uh, could be waxing. That was the part that kind of got me at first. That was pretty that nasty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I. I mean, it's definitely like high body horror, but I didn't think it was faint worthy. No. Yeah. It's just like it's body horror in a different way than we normally see. It's not like body horror the way Evil Dead was, where it's like just like. Sp- Spewing shit. I mean, people do chew on arms, but we'll get to that. But still, it was more like up close, visceral, really intimate shots of things. Should I post a screenshot of my reaction to the finger getting nibbled? Yeah, you should. <laughs> There's a finger nibble, you guys. You're giving it away all up top. You spoiled it for me, so I'm it's just true. paying it forward. Well, because I thought you were done watching it, and I really... No, tragically, I had to stop to take... Something like four hours worth of meetings. Like, give me a, give me a new life, so, please. Uh, yeah. So I assumed that you were done. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, and I, I was texting you so you could ruin it for me, and in turn I ruined it for you. So. You know what they say about assuming. 
I mean, I'm an ass anyway, so, you know, what are you going to Yeah, I also feel like an ass, to be fair. But I don't... Yeah, so... I love when things I mean, are I like spoiled, it. so... I don't actually mind that much. Sometimes I read ahead a little bit in the Wikipedia plot summary just for a rush, you know? Uh, like, I feel like we've <laughs> talked about it before, but I always I have to read the last page of a book and I have to, like, I will scroll to the end of the movie so that I know what happens. Or, like, competition shows, I'll Google it to see who wins. So. Uh, it just depends on the content. If it's something where I'm like, is this going to be worth it? Sometimes I'll find out, but... I also like to be surprised. I don't love being surprised. Uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It has something to do with my anxiety, I'm sure, but I'm too stupid to know what. Let's not think about it too hard, you it's know? too hard. Okay. Are we going to get into the plot, I guess? We'll get with these. I think it's, I think that happens when you say it does, baby. You're driving this car. <laughs> um... So, yeah, so I ha- I mean, I didn't edit this down, so it's going to be a lot of unnecessary uh, plot points because there are some. It is difficult to know what is important. Like yeah. we're watching a horse run. Is that important? Not really. I think it's a metaphor. It's a for metaphor. Like being <laughs> being like chained in your femininity or something. It's a metaphor. Like it's a metaphor. Don't worry about it. Um, OK, so we open on. Soft pinging piano tones and rustling wind. On an empty street, a person walks alone as a car approaches coming from the opposite direction. The person darts in front of the car, causing a crash. The person gets up unhurt and approaches the car, but the driver hasn't emerged. Then we cut to a young woman, Justine, eating at a cafeteria-style restaurant. It was like a... I don't... It was kind of like a Panera-looking place, but yeah, like... You just don't get Europe, I don't understand France. I'm not smart enough. Um, And she finds a piece of sausage in her mashed potatoes. She spits them out, and then her mother is furious and goes to complain to the staff, uh, saying that they're all vegetarians and this is unacceptable. Uh, The family, along with their super cute golden retriever dog. Aww, goldies are so sweet. uh, Drive the daughter to school. Uh, They try calling her older sister, who also attends, but she doesn't answer. So the parents are just like peace i'm out while sleeping in her dorm justine is awoken by a guy adrian busting in saying he's her roommate he hands her a ski pole just as a group of people in ski masks barge in they throw her things around including tossing her bed out the window she's pushed into the hallway where it seems all the new students have had the same treatment uh they're all like in their pajamas and underwear and shit they are all ushered into a big party oh they have to crawl outside on their hands and knees for no reason and then they all are ushered into a big party uh they're doing drugs and making out and flashing people and then justine is just kind of wandering around she finds her sister alex who takes her to a room full of dead animals and jars uh, this is before I said that before I realized it was a veterinarian school because they there's no contacts. They don't tell you where she's going. I um, knew it was a veterinarian school because I took a risk and read ahead on the Wikipedia page. I went in blind. You know, that's how, that's also why I was confused. Uh, Alex shows her what look like school photos of like graduation years. And one of them includes their parents when they were at university. In class, Justine watches a horse surgery and seems very concerned. That's one of I because I what is the context? Nothing. I was kind of hard to watch, but yeah, I think we're just like it's yeah supposed to be in a resting state of discomfort yeah. in this movie. Um, and I was, I sure was. And it's the connection between like our, you know, sentient human beingness and the the difference between that and animals, but. I'm telling you, the horse is is feminism. It's it's a, a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Guys, don't worry about it. Um, a bunch of older. Oh, uh, we're gonna have truly nothing intelligent to say God, about this I movie. Don't, I, I don't know. We thought we were such hot shit covering like a French horror flick made by a like young up and coming feminist director, and yet it's a lot easier to talk shit. When there's a lot to talk shit about. Yeah, when it's made by like some unintelligent white guy. Yeah, it's so much easier. Because we're smarter. Is there than any them. other kind? Um, did Did you hear me? No, what I said. Is there any other kind? <laughs> okay. Uh, a bunch of older students march in in front of the 
rookie first years. That's what they call them. I don't know what the French word. I don't know that the translation to rookie is quite what it means, but that's what they call it in the movie. Like it would be something cooler. I, I mean, than that. that is the least of my worries. My like, question rookie. is, why is this happening at a veterinarian school? This isn't like Sigma Delta Alpha Chi Piper Phi Boob. Like that's my that's my sorority ending in boob. Um, right. Like you guys are professionals. Come it, on, what are you doing? It has to be like a comment on yeah on like capitalism and forcing children into education and a job right away i guess like when the they're not ready for of it. higher education yeah, yeah. uh again we're know. too stupid i mean to i guess know. we also don't know like the socioeconomic and like political landscape of france except that they have a little problem with islamophobia uh but outside of that I mean, like so i don't know what the- we can't blame like the French government on all Can't of I the... shit on France for one minute? On the French government, yeah, but not on, like, all the French people. Oh, yeah, totally right. not Justine's fault. Um, so they their lab coats are drawn on and colored, and they're singing a song about veterinarians and their dick and balls and how excited they are about them. Uh, they drop blood on the rookies who, stand, who are standing in front of their graduation banner, and they take a, a photo of them. Like, the photos that their parents were in before. It's strange. The older student leaders address the rookie, saying they must obey and be good, including only calling the older students elders and the great ones, and it's rush week. And this will last a whole week, I don't, I guess. Or longer. It seems like it's been months at the end of the movie, but it hasn't, apparently. Uh, The rookies all stand in a line waiting to eat rabbit kidneys and take a shot of something. I don't know. It's, like, brownish looks like formaldehyde but i don't know when it's justine's turn uh yeah let's not let's not worry about it i was worried uh it's justine's turn and she refuses because she's vegetarian she tells the main elder this loud blonde guy that her sister alex will vouch for her alex comes over says she's not a vegetarian and she takes a bite of the rabbit like eats a rabbit kidney piece and then tells justine it's no big deal and then shoves it in her mouth uh they had to they had to kill a lot of rabbits for this. Hopefully it was just like little like uh marshmallows like covered in you know, they I don't know. It was nothing. The team I'm sure the people in the movie didn't have to eat it. I hope not. Uh Adrian leads her away and she feels sick. At lunch, Justine, Adrian, and the other students have a long conversation about animal rape. Uh and Justine says that monkeys are self aware and a raped monkey would feel the same as a raped woman. Uh, spoiler trigger Unclear. warning. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, yeah, it has to do with like human beings and there, animals. There's a lot of like context around like violence and sexuality, and like Justine's sexual awakening becomes inherently violent. Violent, yeah. but I don't really see the monkey rape connection, uh, and I don't think it added anything to the context there. And uh, luckily, no woman, no women are raped in this movie. I was or monkeys, or monkeys. Yeah. Thank goodness. Um, the night Justine discovers she's broken that night, Justine discovers she's broken out in hives, and she's itching. It's very visceral, and the sound of the scratching is very. It's nasty because you expect the skin to open up like literally at any second. Uh, and then the horse is running on a treadmill. Justine gets her hives checked out, and it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Uh, and the doctor peels off a bunch of her skin, and then gives her a cream, and then tells her an anecdote about a woman who she treated that had been fat shamed her whole life. Also unclear what no the context reason. of that is. Um, yeah, I was like, uh, cool. I'm like, glad this, the stance this, on this but... movie is like um, against fat phobia, but I don't understand how it relates. Something about being average, like that. That Justine is like an average young woman, right? So I, I don't feel that it connected. I think it just was like other women are this, also like, moment, traumatized. This like moment of progress for progress's sake. Like we don't hate fat people, and like we're good. We're good. We're good. I'm a good person, you know. <laughs> um, on her way to class, Justine is stopped and told by an elder that the dress code for today is club, and women have to look sexy. When she doesn't, when she says she doesn't have anything, the elder makes her wear a diaper. Uh, she goes to Alex's dorm, and Alex gives her a cocktail dress and heels, and then shoves her out of the room because she's annoying her. 
While getting lunch, uh, Justine impulsively puts a burger in her pocket and is caught by the cafeteria worker. This is really sad. It was really uncomfortable and embarrassing. Um, She says she has to pay for it and then discards it immediately in embarrassment. Adrian asks her why she did it, and she says she doesn't know. Justine and Adrian take a bus to go eat shawarma at a gas station. Uh, It looked good. It looked fun. It looked pretty fun, yeah. They sit on a random person's car because they took a bus there. So they just, like, plop it down on a car. I don't. I can't. That has happened. I mean, in Boston, it happens all the time. Like, you get back to your car and someone's sitting on it. And I'm like, I don't really mind, but... Like, get up. <laughs> I'm, but get I'm up. leaving. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have places to be. Not really. <laughs> uh, Adrian gets assaulted by a trucker um, who, like, is really caressing his ear and making everyone uncomfortable. But Justine is gobbling meat. Um, and then later that night in the apartment, she's eating raw chicken from the fridge. A, looked so gross. A really shitty professor accuses Justine of letting Adrian cheat um, and says he has only disdain for her and her academic prowess and would rather her grade drop than his. Uh, and then she says that he cheated. Then she throws up a massive hairball. Like, this scene is so long. She's just like pulling, pulling, pulling hair out of her mouth. Um, and I was disturbed. I don't really understand where all that how hair that's came a from. symptom of her particular affliction, but I was like, yeah, I mean, it's gross. I'll roll with it. She's chewing on her hair, like, in the discussion with this really shitty, toxic professor, but she did not eat that much hair. I don't know. I mean, that was a lot of hair. But that's yeah, also, that's like, like, a symptom. It's a metaphor for her meekness and mildness and innocence. It's like, it's something that... She's choked by her own hair, I guess. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. <laughs> I used to chew on my hair when I was little, when I was nervous. Or just when I was really? bored. Yeah. Uh, I sucked my thumb for a long time. I wasn't a thumb sucker. I was a hair chewer. There we had, there are two classes of people. It's not my the cutest fact about me, but yeah. Did you ever there bite your nails? You guys. No, me neither. Adam bites his nails down to the quick, and I'm like, Ooh. "How are you gonna? Ooh. How are you gonna scratch my back? Like, <laughs> what do you? This is not. You're not the only person that this affects, bitch. Uh, that really. I don't know why, but fingernail biting really freaks me out. Yeah, it's nasty. I heard once that like, because your mouth is such a dirty place, you can get little like bacteria that get under your fingernails when you chew on them. And they can get, like, super infected. And I thought that that was really disgusting. So every time someone is biting their nails, I imagine little worms crawling underneath them. Ew. uh, That's gross. That's worse. You just made it worse. Put that in your movie, Julia. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, So Alex and Justine are drinking on top of the roof and bonding. And Justine stays the night in Alex's room. While brushing her teeth, she finds the same cream that the doctor gave her in Alex's medicine cabinet. Um, just realized that right now. Oh. Yeah. Well, good. I'm so stupid. <laughs> no. Thanks for letting me know. I feel, I feel better now. Um, so Alex says that by the time she was hurried, she was uh, giving herself Brazilians. And Justine is like, I don't know what the fuck that is. And Alex says she's going to wax her vagina. Uh, so she's laying on the bed and she's waxing on the sides of the underwear. Um and then one of the wax strips won't come up, so Justine says she has to cut it. Was so gross. It's very you can see the wax and the little hair is clinging to it. It's I was this is where yeah. I was like, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. And then Caesar came in and was like, What's wrong? Are you okay? And I was like, No, I'm not okay. We're like, I'm unwell and I know something bad's gonna happen. And guess what? It does. It, it just gets worse and worse and worse and worse. Um so Alex comes up with scissors and says she has to cut the piece off. And then Justine is worried that she's going to be circumcised, what she says. And so she kicks and Justine or, and Alex accidentally cuts her own finger off, her the middle finger on her left hand. Those really had to be the sharpest, sharp strongest. Scissors. Scissors. Are they garden shears? Like, how did she get them? Her cut through the bone? Through the bone. Such a clean cut, too. Um, and then so... Alex looks at her finger and then passes out. Justine calls uh, for an ambulance, I think. And then uh, she goes to look for the finger. It's almost eaten by Alex's dog, Quickie. 
but uh, so cute. But Justine finds it, and then she goes to put it on ice, but stops and sits down and starts eating it. She starts eating the finger like a corn on the cob. It's like it's too much. She starts with the tendons. It's too much. Anyway, it goes on. It goes on for, for a, a long, long time. time. And then in the background, we see Alex getting up, waking up from passing out, and sees her and just a single tear it was very like it was too real. the whole thing was too real um i felt like i myself was eating a finger uh, while i watched uh, it was upsetting <laughs> um but like really well shot but uh then the parents and justine are waiting at the hospital for alex to come out of the waiting out of the getting surgery or something and then she lies to her parents and says that quickie ate the finger um, Justine runs out and tries to make herself puke, but she can't. And then she finds her father, uh, smoking in the parking lot. He tells her that Quickie has to be put down because he's got a taste for human flesh and he might bite somebody. Uh, Justine. But, you know, he knows. But he knows. He, he knows. We don't know that he knows, yeah. but he knows he knows. Um, so... What happened? Alex takes Justine to the side of the road to watch cars. They're like ducking down and we all know what's coming. But Justine does not. And then Alex darts out in front of the car that skids off and hits a tree just like the first one in the beginning of the movie. Um, And then Alex goes up to the passenger who is still alive and starts eating the wound, eating out of the wound on his head. Uh, Justine pulls her off and tells her to stop. And then Alex says that she did this for her so that she could learn. Well, can I just say skull is like a weird place to start right. if you're trying to like get some, anything accomplished. Like I feel like you would start with the appendages or like shit that sticks out. You know what I mean? Noses, lips. Maybe like top of arm even. Or like the meaty part of a bicep maybe. Yeah. Maybe yeah. a boob. Maybe the genital. I don't know. How chewy are they? Boob is just fatty tissue That's though. true. It's that too chewy. be like delicious. Um... Yeah, so you'd have to start with, like, the muscles, arms, legs. We'll get to legs later, too. Um, So while tying up Adrian's surgery smock in class, Justine is struck by the back of his neck. She's just, like, staring at his neck. I don't know. Uh, And later while playing, while watching him play soccer, she gets a nosebleed and seems um, really sexed up. Just... It's... Does she want to sex him or eat him? Uh, we still don't know. A little know. bit of both. It's a metaphor. Don't worry about it. A metaphor. Uh, Justine dances in front of the mirror in the cocktail dress that Alex gave her. She puts on lipstick. I and loved kisses. this scene. It was so it's fun. such a good song. I don't. I forgot to look up who it's by. Let's take a small break. We'll and have a. Now. We'll put it on the Instagram dance party for two. It's like a yeah. It's a French rap hip hop song that's like about sex and about kind of about the devil and just it's so and good drugs a little and bit a little too. drugs yeah. yeah it's so good though i was like i'd dance like that too i was like i don't i don't like really like drugs but i like the devil <laughs> right uh so she hears something in the other room and then goes into adrian's room to find him and alex playing video games and she seems jealous uh, he gets up and says he has to go to a party, and and then when he's gone, um, Justine tells Alex to back off, and then Alex says, "I thought he was gay." Uh, the sisters play video games, and Alex warns Justine she won't last long without eating people because um, she's starting to look thin, and then Justine says she doesn't need it. She's but then later we see she's sweaty and writhing in bed, and she's having like a hallucin hallucination hallucinogenic. Genic That's where I was dream. going, but I was like, no, it's just a hallucination. Hallucination. Um, that like somebody's punching her, and then um, she gets up, walks down the hallway, and then an elder throws blue paint all over her, and then she's shoved into a room with a guy with yellow paint all over her, and the elder tells them to not come out until they're both green. Uh, the guy starts rubbing on her and kind of forcing himself on her a little bit, but she seems sort of into it, so they kiss. And then she bites part of his lip off. Like a pretty significant a chunk. big chunk, yeah. yeah, right in the center of his bottom lip. Uh, they start rubbing, or I'm sorry, in the shower she starts, uh, she's like cleaning off the paint and then she like is digging in her mouth and finds that a piece of his lip got stuck in her teeth and then she eats it. Uh, 
You were worried that it was teeth. Is that where you? I thought it. I thought she was gonna start losing her teeth. Like start like becoming because... a zombie. Yeah, like becoming a freaking uh, what do they call them in District Nine? Oh, I can't remember. But you know, like I thought it was like she was malnourished and her teeth were falling out because she like has to eat a person. Right. But no, it's just a chunk of lip. Don't worry, everything's lip okay. Lip chunk. Uh, we're good in the dorm adrian asked justine if the guy forced himself on her and she says no and then he asks if she likes it and she says she doesn't likes him she said she doesn't know and then she leaves he starts masturbating but then she comes back in and then they have sex uh she's like writhing around like erratically and then um like kind of scratching him really hard and he tells her to stop but then she was trying. She's trying to bite him. Yeah, and like kind of get at him, but not really. Like she seems to be holding back. Like, and then she bites her own arm. Uh, Whatever works, deeply. I guess. You know. And then he like pets the back of her head, like very soothingly. Like, oh no! <laughs> um, <laughs> but he's kind of freaked out. And then, um, in class, Justine and Adrian are sitting next to each other, and Adrian is wearing a hoodie with a picture of. Uh, the youngest brother from Malcolm in the Middle, whose name I think is Dewey. Is that what it was? <laughs> I, was I was like, like how do I know that face? I want that yeah. sweater. I really do. Um, uh, I want to see if I can find a picture of it. It's like so strange, but I would totally wear that sweater. Um, and then I guess her sister texted him for her to check her phone and they had to put their dog down. And then she confronts him about why he's ignoring her and that it's fucked up that he, quote, deflowered her. And then he says he's gay and he didn't hide it for 20 years to start fucking girls now and storms out, which is like fair. Fair. Yeah. Um, at a party, a girl licks a guy's eyeball so intensely. So intensely. I don't need that. I don't I don't need that. And then, you know, Justine is looking on um, very creepily and she's licking her lips and she's real horned up about it. Um, she's already super drunk and she asks somebody for a whole glass of vodka, and then she kind of just chugs it, and then she starts trying trying to kiss everybody, and everyone's, like, pushing her off, and then Alex finds her and pulls her into the morgue. Justine wakes up with a hangover and goes into class where everyone is looking at her strangely and moving away from her. Uh, this part where, like, the so she sits down next to a girl, and the girl moves over a seat, and she, like, looks, sniffs under her armpit, like, whether or not she smells been there girl uh that girl that moved away from her though is like me in every movie theater i've ever been in yeah please don't sit next to me sit anywhere else there were so many empty chairs not directly next to somebody so i get it um but so after class adrian pulls her into a bathroom and shows her a video of alex calling alex um holding a cadaver's arm and then telling justine to bite the arm like she's a dog um because justine is down on the ground like on all floors like like a rabid that they have a cadaver so readily available for this activity this school is not well organized at all um yeah shouldn't there be like a night guard at the morgue who's like you can't play with bodies actually it's not Uh, a thing yeah and so all the students are watching as this is unfolding um Justine is, of course, super pissed, and so she storms out into the middle of this courtyard or roof or something where all the students are, and then she fights with Alex. She pins her down, but Alex bites a chunk out of Justine's face, of her cheek, right under her eye. Um, and then the the two are pulled off each other, and then uh, Justine charges Alex once more, and they bite each other's arms. Um, and then there, it's kind of a sweet scene because then the people try to pull them off again and they're like fighting each other and then they walk away with their arms around each other. Um, and I, so I thought this movie was like a pretty accurate depiction or like sensitive and realistic depiction of a sister relationship right. because you want to punch them. You want to punch them sometimes. It's not always like sunshine and rainbows. There is some like rivalry and competitiveness and frustration in some places in the relationship but then you know you you would eat a man together that's fine like that would happen um although like if i found out my sister was a cannibal and she ate somebody i would not turn her into the police 
Somebody handcuffed me. I just wouldn't. I would never. I wouldn't. I'd be like, let's get a rabid wolf in here. Pretend they did it. You know, I would definitely cover up a murder if my sister committed one. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, no, like, no questions you know, asked. She should have, must have done it for a reason. I mean, <laughs> right. Whether or not she's a cannibal. I don't let's know. Let's talk about let's it. Let's talk about <laughs> it. Um, so in Alex's dorm room, she wraps up Justine's face and then um, they kind of have like a meaningful, hey, yeah, like they're okay um, little moment. And then Justine wakes up in Adrian's bed and tries to like wake him up and realizes he's cold and then pulls the blanket off and his legs have been eaten. Uh, she's upset. She thinks she did it and she's like yelling at his corpse that he should have fought her off and hit her. Um, and there's a hole in his, like a puncture wound in his back. And then she finds a bloody ski pole under the bed. And then she walks into the kitchen to find Alex on the ground with a bloody mouth and she's catatonic uh, Justine takes her to the bathroom and they shower together. Justine re- rubs off all the blood and uh, rubs Alex clean. And then we fa- fa- fla- flash forward to Alex in prison being visited by Justine and her parents. The sisters are amicable, amicable and they have a meaningful moment um, where Justine presses her cheek up against the glass and Alex pretends to kiss it. And then um, back at their house, the family is eating dinner and the mother is agitated and leaves the table. While alone, her dad tells Justine that when Alex was little, she was their little princess. They took her everywhere and they let her be herself. And that's why it's all their fault. Um, He says that her mother, their mother was tough at school and didn't want to date him. And when they had their first kiss, he learned why. Um, And this is the first time I noticed that his face was scarred at all. But he has like a very obvious scar in the middle of his upper lip that looks almost like a cleft palate surgery scar. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And then he unbuttons his shirt to reveal like healed, scarred bite marks. Um, and then he says, I'm sure you'll find a solution, my dear. And then, rah! Finn, the end. I don't see how they would find a solution, but... That's part of it, is there is no solution. The end. I don't know what to talk about. I know it's. I'm so confused. I don't know what to say. I'm so confused too. I just I feel like dumb. And I know it's like people are like lauding it as a feminist movie, and I'm like, is it? It's feminist in the way that it's like like a way. Yeah, it's showing a complex protagonist and complex female characters. And it doesn't. The re- actress is incredible. That so plays Justine. good. Uh, and it doesn't rely on like tro- like it does sort of rely on tropes of the genre, but it doesn't like leave them one note. Like our protagonist is virginal at the beginning, and then kind of turns like comes into her sexual awakening. But I think the movie does a good job of her. Like, losing her virginity and her as a sexual being being secondary to her complex identity as someone struggling with, like, coming into their own and experiencing this sort of really intense awakening when they're separated from their family of origin. So I don't think, like, her identity is shaped by her, quote, deflowering. You know, it's just sort of like an element of what happens in the film. Right. It's part of it's like a part. It's an event that come isn't takes part of her like coming of age and coming into her own as a woman. I wonder if like whatever the French word for deflower is really means deflower. Like exactly translated that way. I know it's like such a weird thing to say. Deflower. I don't like that either. Um I don't like just I don't know. Why is virginity who decided virginity was such a big deal? The patriarchy. I know. (laughs) But I just, it's so stupid. Like, who now, now that we're older and not as dumb, like, who gives a shit? But when we were kids, like, it just seems so important. I don't know. I thought it was such a big deal to lose my virginity. And I was so, like, shaped by my religious upbringing and the brainwashing that happened there which, of course, they say that, like, you can't have sex before marriage. And it, like, took me so long with my first boyfriend to not think I was going to go to hell. Mm. And for what? For, <laughs> for what, what you reason? Guys? How old were you? 
Unless you don't want to tell me. I was not, I was 19 when I lost my virginity because I was a scared puppy. I was like Aww. really afraid of penises. How peni? How long were you and your boyfriend together? Like eight months. I was like a whole ass adult, and I was dating someone for almost a year. But I was so like scarred and malformed right. from Christianity that I like literally was afraid I would go to hell. And it took. I mean, I'm still like deprogramming so much of that. Right. But it's just like crazy because the patriarchal, patriarchal, Cuckoo. like systems of power decide. Virginity is important and then leave an entire subset of the population reeling and like emotionally destroyed. And guess what? They don't fucking care. And they that's and then they're they're like, like, but that's what they wanted to do. Don't get an abortion. I don't know. But don't be on welfare. I don't know. It's I it's wild. It, just like everybody wear a condom. What if this is something I'm still so upset about because I can't take birth control because it fucks with my hormones so much. Like, what if men, what if we had male birth control, which would make so much more sense if there were male It can't be hard, control. right? It's not difficult. And there was, like, some article I read that said, like, in the they started to develop a male birth control, but men were showing symptoms that women have to deal with with birth control, like, hormone irregularities and pain and discomfort and they were like okay this trial is it's not working because men are uncomfortable and that can't happen yeah only women can cry at at, like dog food commercials while like not understanding what's happening inside of their own brain (laughs) uh caesar and i it's fine for them i like i don't need birth control to cry all the time it happens all the time uh we were watching futurama yesterday and I Adam never crying. wants to watch Futurama with me. Caesar loves um, one of his favorite shows. One that he quotes all the time is The Sim- Simpsons. He like grew up watching it, and it's yeah his Adam favorite. Adam prefers show. The Simpsons to Futurama, but I hot take think Futurama is more fun. I do too. It's a more refined show, and I didn't watch The Simpsons a ton when I was growing up. Just like went and sort of sometimes whenever it was on TV, so I don't have a lot of context. But I've seen all of. Yeah, Futurama. I didn't get grandfathered in. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, the last, the finale episode of Futurama had me, like, whole hog crying. It was the episode where Leela discovers who her parents are and they're mutants. And I was like, oh, I, like, yeah. tears and tears and tears. And Caesar was like, are you seriously crying? You've already, you already know what happens. And it's a cartoon. You're like, and have I was you like, not known me for, like, <laughs> ten years? I know. Fuck yeah. you. Um, it's fun for him to be like, you're crying. But. Hmm. Yes, yeah, so I think that I don't know how to transition normally into whatever we were talking about because my memory has been wiped clean. Coming of age, embracing your sexuality, sister relationships. I don't remember what we were talking about either. It was so... Metaphor. Metaphor. Don't worry about it. Should we talk about the parents and the big reveal? Yeah. So, yeah, so her family is repressing this urge right and so the sister alex has to rebel against it and she goes so far against this like vegetarianism and repression and like mundane upbringing of her family so far that she's like all the way full tilt hedonistic cannibal doesn't give a shit about anybody else's like pain or her she's killing like murdering people with impunity and, like, telling her sister that this is the way that will make her feel better um, by, like, killing people. Killing innocent people just driving along in a car because they need to. It's like a, like, her, she's all impulse and, like, no control. Yeah. I think Alex is a really interesting character yeah. because there is this element of being a protector in her. Like, she knows she could just leave Justine sort of to her own devices. And in many ways, she is sort of like, you have to learn for yourself. But also, her instinct is to protect. But it's like her intentions become sort of skewed by her nature. Uh, and I think that's sort of like... The same way that we have these relationships with each other, especially like female relationships under the patriarchy where we like feel a natural affinity towards each other and a natural like desire to protect and love one another. But 
our like socialization and patriarchy makes it so we have a difficult time connecting because we're supposed to be inherently in competition with one another. Right. And so, yeah, so there's like a rivalry between the two of them and Adrian, but that's only like, that's yeah, like a symptom of their relationship. Like they're real, like Justine rejects Alex's like murdering nature. And so Alex takes that to heart and then sort of starts like, like making fun and humiliating Justine in front of the entire school and then ultimately murdering her best friend, like in this like sexual cannibalistic way. Yeah. I think that it's easy and hard to understand Alexia's motives because the video and like humiliating Justine in that way is obviously a reaction to like Justine rejecting her. Mm But why? Like, I feel like it's frustrating because Alexis, Alexia seems so, like, self-possessed right. and able to sort of, like, navigate the world on her own. But she still is, uh, like, wounded by mm-hmm. this rejection from her sister. And instead of, like, dealing with it in a healthy way, she is so reactionary. So I think in that way... I don't know. Alex, Alex is both like nuanced and sort of one dimensional. And as far as like the sisterhood goes, I like the way that it ends. But I think that I don't know if there's like a really clear resolution of this sort of inherent rivalry that they're experiencing. It just sort of is like a quiet acceptance and understanding. But I think that's that good. Yeah, that's also I, kind you know. of interesting because Justine is like she understands these impulses and does like a really like a really bad job of controlling them at times like she bites a guy's lip off and eats her sister's finger but she's ultimately against murder and like when she discovers Adrian with his leg eaten off she assumes it's her and is so mad at herself and then discovers that it's actually Alex so it's like her Alex and juxtaposition with Justine is really interesting because Justine is the really innocent one and Alex is the one who's been hardened by this like neglect and abuse by their parents and and Justine is like is the perfect one the the one who is always easier to deal with and then she's the one who gets to benefit from Alex having already done all of these things just like an it older is, and a younger that sister way, a really true depiction right. obviously yeah and yeah like has a lot of like subtext and nuance and understanding of like really complicated sister and familial relations but it's also like poor Alex and the frustration that I experience also on top of just like poor Alex and the way she is like coded and um, the way she's like portrayed in her family of origin is why did all of these like sort of like acceptances and watershed moments have to happen at the expense of a queer brown person? Yeah. Like I love Adrian's characterization because he is able to look at Justine and accept her, even though, like, the reason he's angry with Justine after they sleep together isn't because Justine is clearly a cannibal. It's because he has, like, violated his own personal boundaries and his own ways of operating. And I think it's really incredible when he's like, I am experiencing my own emotions and the, like, world doesn't hinge on your feelings yeah. about what happened last night, right? Uh, and I think... He is, like, a really good example of, like, love and affection without judgment. And I thought it was a nice, like, portrayal of a relationship. Except the sexual element, (sighs) I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I think... I feel like the movie betrayed Adrian. It really did. Yeah, I I would want better for Adrian. Because he, yeah, is, like, a really interesting complex character he knows who he is he like is willing to accept this friend who he like pulls into She's, like, this not friendship well. yeah who is not well and who he like cares about but is also like not willing to take on her emotional baggage just because they're friends like he's yeah i've got my own shit going on and i don't really want to get into yours and like he shows her the video of like alex humiliating her and then when justine like fights him off and refuses to like listen to him he's like well it's your own fucking life you know like I can't be involved but then he's still like 
I don't know, willing to like be compassionate and understanding without like, yeah, with his very clear set boundaries. But then he's murdered and killed um, for this like white sister relationship for these two white women to have. Yeah, essentially he's like a sacrificial lamb so that these like cishet white women can have like a more close bond and like better experience of their sisterhood and that's really shitty and frustrating because he's manipulated into a situation he's not comfortable with he handles it entirely with compassion and like uplifts justine at every turn and at the end of the day justine doesn't hold alex like accountable for what she did at all and this like white sisterhood trumps his like identity and experience as a queer brown man i mean she does turn her into the authorities i guess that's like her you know she does bring some sort of justice to her murdering adrian but like she sort of allowed it to happen because she wasn't upfront with adrian about what was going on with her or her sister like they're both dangerous cannibals who are eating humans like alex is murdering people justine knows that yes like Perhaps to request a room reassignment at this point. Right. And she, like, takes the key and almost locks it, but doesn't. And so she is sort of responsible for Adrian's death as well. So. What do you think of the, um, what am I saying? Oh, I thought it was really racist that, um, when we sort of reference disordered eating, the only outside voice is an Asian woman who's like, oh, it works better if you put, put fingers two fingers. And then she's yeah. like, with her hair, like, perfect. In the, it was a strange choice. And there's only white people and only, and like. Straight size, normal looking people. Right. Why there are, are the two. There are brown people in France. There are no black people. There's like two black people in the background. Like party scenes yeah. in this movie. I don't understand what's going on with Julia that she thought it was okay to code this uh, Asian person in this way when it so easily could have been a white woman. It was just like I, there were, yeah, there were no roles for really. I don't, I'm not really sure uh, the actor who plays Adrian. I don't. He's, like, brownish, but, uh, like, we don't get any real backstory on him either, unfortunately, except for that he's not as smart as Justine. Um, But. Oh, and Justine totally throws him under the bus as well. When um, the professor accuses them of cheating, like, the second that her sort of, like, academic prowess is threatened she's so quick to throw him under the bus like without a second thought which is also like it's like so yeah that's another horror movie trope that we've talked about before this like mary sue exceptional very bright final girl who's also a virgin Mm -hmm. that's justine and but she's like also not like she's this good lord what is happening with my dog also his cone hey is wrestling in the background. Um, <laughs> there's a lot going on. There's today a lot for going us. on with Bartleby, my dog. He um, he has an ear infection, so he has to wear a cone. So he's already pretty poor agitated. baby. Um, but I don't remember what I was saying. So oh, the exceptionalism. But she and she's a sympathetic character, but she's also like kind of a goody two shoes. And there's parts in the movie where I'm like, ugh, you're annoying. Like stop being so annoying. So I think it's like a. Take a deep breath. Nuanced portrayal. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I don't know. That's what I have to say about that, I guess. Who knows where I was going. I, I don't know either. <laughs> and I think we have, like, very little cogent information to share about this movie. No, I don't. I mean, yeah, I'm dumb. But this, it was a, it is a really good movie. It is there are visceral body horror scenes. Um, I thought it was great. I love, I mean, I haven't felt uncomfortable watching a horror movie in a while like this in a really long time. Yeah. I think it's actually kind of like a close to perfect horror movie and it's got really good scares. It's really like everything is super unexpected about it. I just, I have a real problem with um, just like the white exceptionalism right. and the fact that like these women 
I mean, Alex does go to jail. She goes to prison. But these like Justine is allowed to continue to thrive. Like she gets absolution from her dad, like from her family. They literally say it's not their fault. Mm -hmm. Like at the end of the movie. And uh, like queer man of color is dead because of them. And they get this sort of like absolution. Uh, I think it's a little sticky, but it is kind of a triumph of like feminist horror. It was, yeah, it's a really, really well made movie, and there, it's like the the characters are interesting, and the movie is like it's yeah, like an art house movie, but it was like easy to watch, and it was compelling and the scary in like a different way than you're used to, and yeah, and uh, like a veterinary school is like such an unusual. Uh, setting for a horror movie particularly when none of the body horror really centers around the animals mm-hmm. so it is sort of like you know drawing this comparison between this cannibalistic urge and these like naturalistic animals you know experiences that surround them which i think is a really like tight and beautiful setting and it's uh someone i think compared it to like suspiria i was like yes the suspiria of vet tech movies but the with a <laughs> exactly very different color palette uh everything is really like gray and brown and dull except for the party scenes which are really like claustrophobic and like man too the party scenes actually were more stressful than the finger eating scenes. they were yeah it was me. really and that's like part of the like really brilliant shot too is like she's being this like virginal young woman is being like thrust into these really like tight situations where she doesn't feel comfortable and then is forced to do it and has to like get drunk in order to feel comfortable enough to like be part of it and you really like physically identify with justine because you can totally like feel what she's and feeling we've all been in there scenes. yeah if you've you're ever anyone that's been to a terrible party <laughs> yeah <laughs> where you drink where everyone too much. is rolling yeah. and you're just trying to survive <laughs> yeah uh and then yeah and then shot between this, like these like really slow moving horses and like really intimate um like moments of gore and then quiet moments of like mundane scenes of nothingness it's and like long shots it's really it's really well made and I like I love it yeah I still just I mean our job that we've assigned ourselves that no one asked us to do is to be critical and to like really attempt to suss out when we see flaws and reductive portrayals and where people could have done better very easily but this is like I mean, if you think about this compared to fucking Evil Dead, like what we were trying to wade through last week, it's like a true joy to talk about this movie. It's yeah, it's like that's why we don't have anything to say. We have nothing to shit on. I mean, we have a little bit to shit on, but nothing major. And even those are like infractions that are a problem like white people only casting white people and only telling and like not being and that's like black and brown people not getting the same opportunities as a white woman to tell their stories like black women not having spaces brown women not having spaces um but it's, and i feel like white directors often fall back on this sort of like well it's not my story to tell or like i don't know how to have agency or be able to tell it appropriately and it's like yeah no i mean that's like when you as a white director hire people of color because there's a lot of people of color (laughs) very rich diverse perspectives that can give you so much if you just pay them for their labor uh yeah you could have a have a different screenwriter and a different writing credit and a co-director credit like it could there are positions and there are opportunities yeah and i just feel like even for like our podcast, we often are like really concerned to take on quote kind of like black horror movies, but it's just so frustrating that there's still this sort of divide where a movie is categorized as something other than just a horror movie because of its right. like proximity to blackness. And um yeah, like we shouldn't be talking about this shit, but it's we can't ignore it either. Right. And like we have to talk about things and there are movies that are important and that everyone should watch it's just like how frustrating it is that like yeah black and brown and like art and cinema and television is delegated to these like little tiny pocket channels wherein like we are supposed to accept whiteness as a normality and something that everyone can relate to but brownness and blackness are something just for a niche group of people and that's fucked up 
And I think there was a time in the 90s where black television and television that centered around black families and and like told black stories were having a big moment. And then we came back into this really conservative regression wherein we're only telling white stories again and that's upsetting is that like the fresh prince of bel-air i was just watching the waynes brothers on fucking hbo max sister sister family matters like these really big shows from our childhood i feel like now so much of the media created sort of like around black stories centers so much on black trauma right and it's just like why are we like re-traumatizing black audiences constantly like and methodically <laughs> when we should be lifting up black joy and there are so many um authors directors creators that of course like can have both like you can have like trauma and joy run concurrently and you don't have to center these narratives around like black people suffering constantly. Like, I don't know if you've heard about them, that show that just came I, out, I think on Amazon. I saw Amazon a commercial Prime. for it and I was like, um, what are we doing? If you don't knock Bartleby's in trouble. Now you're locked in here with me. How's that? Um, we have to forgive him because his ears hurt. We can't be mad at a little puppy dog you with bad ears. You should see him right now. He's like... Maximum sad. Bartleby, come here. Come here. Oh, you see him? Yeah. He's so upset. Hi, buddy. And he's just banging into shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I didn't watch it, but I read a few articles that was just like how much white people have been sort of like uplifting this media and saying them is like incredible and it's so like quote entertaining and I think we have to move into a space where white people stop saying that they're entertained by stories about black trauma and like historical mourning right like why why and why the movies that aren't about black trauma that are made by black people and about like marriage and friendship and random whatever the fuck whatever else movies are about white people don't watch them like right barbershop like and all the Medea movies and why did I get married and I've never seen that because I think it's probably misogynistic but I you know they're not watched on the same level as things that are about black trauma like 12 years a slave yeah and that's yeah fucked up and I think that's where, like, Get Out, for example, rides that line where right. uh, black people are traumatized, but they're not kept in that space. Like, they're able to rise out of that space, you know, through their own, like, self-love and community instead of, like, by the hand of white people. Right. It was also something that we hadn't ever seen at the time. It yeah. Like, it was like, what? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's back to Ra. That's where this movie falls short, where the entire plot hinges around two white women and a brown queer man becomes collateral damage in their journey towards self-actualization. And Adrian's story doesn't get to be told because he comes from these marginalized identities and he's used by the director as essentially a prop, yeah. right? His sexuality is their plaything, essentially. It's like they're both trying to get at him to get at the other one. And so his, like, his identity as a gay man is kind of, like, not their problem and not something that and they th- when take they... seriously. And when he vocalizes that, Justine doesn't care, right? She still goes into his bedroom like that same night um and she she doesn't listen to him or hear him she just sees her own experiences and how he can like enrich or contribute to her life that and centers everything around herself right oh you guys but it was a pretty good movie and i i liked it i would recommend and i would recommend if you don't want to watch someone eat a human finger don't watch it nibble on it like a little little baby corn well, the weirdest, the grossest part for me was when it starts dripping blood and she just like instinctively puts it into her mouth and then is like surprised by that instinct. And I was like, oh, no. There were. Yeah. I when I, t- I was like watching the scene and she picks up the finger and then sits down and I was like, oh, my God, she's going to eat it. She's going to eat it. She's going to eat it. Oh, my God. It was. 
And she did. And she ate it. And I'd just like to say justice for Quickie the dog who was forced to go to a rave and then put down because of Justine dog and her big lie. not living a good life, that poor dog. Also, why did you have to lie at the hospital? You could have just told your parents what happened. I don't know that they were... They know. Her parents were honest with Alex either. I think it was like... Yeah, that may be true. They were not good parents. Gonna say that right now. Yeah, Are I mean, you throw them, like, where is this you camera? send them to a veterinary school where you know they're gonna have to eat an animal byproduct. Mm-hmm. They could have sent then her you're somewhere just like, else. Roll the dice, right? <laughs> um, why are all the women in this? Family why are they cannibals? cannibals? Are they witches? I don't know. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably an interesting plot device we haven't dived into and probably won't. Just <laughs> for time's sort of like, sake. <laughs> well, I guess it's sort of like inherited trauma and sort of right. this, you know, generational re traumatizing and misogyny and uh, how like often sometimes in your DNA, in your genes, like obviously this is pretty new science, but there's literal like imprints of your generational trauma on your body. Mm-hmm. And this happens in many cases with women. So it's probably something like that. But I'm dumb and I don't want to talk anymore. Yeah, me too. Uh, my dog finally stopped barking now that we're almost done. Now with that the episode, we're so. one hour into this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next week, we're covering Big Bad, The Sixth Sense, which I have never in my life seen. Wow. So I know the, I know the twist. Talk though, about a brown person upholding white supremacy. Uh-oh. Can't we're going to have a lot to talk about. <laughs> I do. I, <laughs> My sister and my mom love M. Night Shyamalan. Love. I've seen. Does M. Night Shyamalan cast people of color? Uh, Samuel L. Jackson as Mr. Glass. That's the first one that comes to mind. Uh, I mean, Mel Gibson shows up more than I'm comfortable with. Joaquin Phoenix? I mean, what? I mean, we'll have a lot to chew on next week. Um, We'll be back to your regularly scheduled yelling. It'll be great. Yeah, we'll have a lot less women to talk about for sure, but we will get to talk about Toni Collette again. So I'm okay with it. I love Toni Collette. I love Toni Collette as well, and I think she's underrated. An underrated scream queen for sure. Underrated actor in general. She's so good. Like, I didn't even know she was Australian until I'd seen like a million of her movies. Like, I didn't. Or New Zealand. I'm learning that. I'm learning that right now. She's from New Zealand. I can't remember. What the fuck? Really? That's her real accent? Mm -hmm. Because I saw this uh, trailer for that movie Stowaway that she's in on Netflix where she's talking in like an Aussie, Aussie or Kiwi accent. And I was like, oh, cool. She's doing a good job with that accent. Now I know. That's it. She's going to be, she's, I'm sure, like Christian Bale, where he like barely has his regular accent anymore because he's just like, I don't even know who I am. Yeah. But anywho. So, yes. We'll be doing that next week. In the meantime, you can find us at spooky succubus underscore cast on Instagram. Instagram. Tony Collette is Australian. Sorry, I was She's trying to Australian, do two things okay. at once. I was <laughs> yeah. right the first time. Uh, if you want to email us, we're at SpookySuccubusCast at gmail.com. We're also on TikTok, but I don't know if much goes on over there. I put up a, maybe a video should, of Kurt Russell, but I'm going to try to do more. Um, maybe we should heat up over there. We yeah. should. Um, we should stitch with people. We have to fuck things. Fuck cannibalism at the very top. Yeah, don't eat another person. I mean, not without their consent. Even with their consent. I read this book when I was in high school uh, about this, the cannibal. He's German and he like alleged that the person that he ate signed up to do it and they had a sexual relationship and he wanted to be. Oh, yeah. Like he like found him on the Internet or something Mm -hmm. like that. I forget his name. Oh, my gosh. Why are you like this? (laughs) I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Fuck white feminism. For sure. Yeah, white feminism is disgusting. And if your feminism is not intersectional, go fuck yourself. Maybe don't go fuck yourself, but like self-reflect. And if you still think white feminism is okay, then go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. Uh, It's like moderate liberals. It's like, I can't with you guys anymore. 
quit saying defund. I, I don't just even say abolish, please. Like just listen. Abolition is the word, and uh, yeah. Kamala Harris recently said some really stupid shit about Guatemala and basically blamed them for the U.S. coup that occurred there in the 90s. So the really fuck neoliberals, you guys. The atrocities committed by the U.S. government and U.S. foreign policy in Central America is unbelievably evil. Evil. I actually, like, really need to learn more because I know – a little bit about like what happened in the DR and some other places, but I don't even know much about El Salvador. Uh, uh, Civil war backed by the CIA. It's the same. It's the same story every time. They're like, oh, we need these resources from this this poor country. Let's put in our own dictator, and then we're allowed to abuse the citizens and steal whatever we want because he's the in our CIA pocket. has done a lot of bad stuff. Yeah, pretty much since it has existed. So fuck the CIA and fuck the two-party system. Fuck all American presidents. They're all war criminals. Uh, And fuck you, Joe Biden. For real. Fuck all American presidents. You heard it here first, kids. They're all bad, yeah. Um, But fuck each other in a nice way. In a nice way, yeah. Uh, I wish Adrian had gotten to fuck more consenting human people in a nice way and didn't get eaten to death by lunatics. <sighs> eaten to death that's like how did they was he paralyzed that was my other question was he paralyzed i think he just bled them? out just a lot of blood you guys she ate him down to the bone where'd she put all of yeah that? that was nasty i don't know i know she must have felt a little nauseous right that's why she was i catatonic. certainly do she wasn't catatonic from the trauma of eating her sister's best friend no. alive she was just really full she had a lot of indigestion yeah, yeah. Um, so don't eat a person and come back next week for the sixth test. Okay, and that's all I have to say. Bye. <laughs> don't eat a person. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>